Hello and welcome to this month's episode of Fraud Talk. I'm Brett LaFontaine for the ACFE. In a few moments, you'll hear an excerpt from a recent panel at the 2021 Women's Summit titled, Upping Your Tech Game in Times of Extraordinary Change. The panel of speakers include our moderator, Amber Mack, along with Amy Chang, Cynthia Harrington, and Amber Schroeder. I want to start with this question, and um, I'll, I'll throw this one at uh, you, Cynthia. What have you found to be the most challenging part of dealing with digital data when it comes to fraud investigations? Uh, and, and feel free to kind of expand on that a little bit to some of the work that you're working on now. The digital landscape is so fast and so changing. Um, I think the hardest part is just kind of keeping up with it when you're, when you're a user and not the producer. You know, our job as end users is to kind of stay on top of and current with all the data. And we try to we try to do our best with it, but we can't. I think if you can kind of admit to yourself that you'll never be on top of it as much as you wish, then at least know what you know and know it well. And then have friends like Amber who can help you through all the other pieces or reach out to buddies like Amy who can kind of, you know, enunciate on a particular aspect of, financial fraud and these particular accounting features and this new document retrieve, you know, there's, I've seen this over and over again with this system and it looks like, you know, we're never going to be in front of it. And that's great because that means that we're progressing and we're marching forward. Uh, never admit that you know everything in this field. You will be toppled like, like a bad set of Legos that aren't put together. <laughs> but then once you do get into the groove, I find my little trick here is teach what you've learned immediately because that cements into you whatever new system process. And it also asks you to start questioning whatever that system or process is just in case any holes in the software or system updates aren't there. You know, you know as you're teaching, it'll, it'll become apparent. So I find that to be very helpful in that way. Uh, just as you were talking, Cynthia, it reminded me of a quote that I share a lot when I'm speaking at events uh, from Graham Wood, which is that change has never happened this fast before, and it will never be this slow again. And I think about that all the time with the technological change that we're experiencing right now. Uh, Amy, I'll, I'll kind of throw that one over to you. Uh, how do you know in this, this age of acceleration with technology, when is the right time to kind of walk away from a tech application? How do you keep up on what other options exist out there as well? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think when the overhead and the burden of a specific application becomes more than more work than the actual outcome of that work, then it's time to think there's got to be a better way to do this. So, I mean, I'll keep that answer pretty short and simple is that if it takes more work to utilize a specific business application or um, tool then, and, and you're not getting that much out of it, there are definitely other tools out there that can help. And uh, Amber, if I can come to you with a, a similar question in terms of when is it time to walk away or even just building on both Cynthia's point as well as Amy's as far as you know, just knowing that right time to pursue something different. Um, I think Amber is uh, maybe frozen right now. So if we want to um, just, if you guys want me to uh, move along with the questioning, I will move along to um, the next question. Uh, I think this is a really good one. And Cynthia, I'm going to start with you. How do you connect current and upcoming technological advancements to your anti-fraud work? So um, what would you say to that question? 
Well, we're always trying to find uh, a more efficient way to conduct anti-fraud investigations and to uh, to stay informed to new fraud trends, especially during COVID. You know, we're not meeting. We're having great conferences online with our fraud chapters and our international meetings, but but you're still not having that one-to-one where you're like, what tools are you using and what are you guys up to? And, and, and seeing the vendors, you know, having those vendors in front of you just while they're pressing their newest stuff. So I spend a lot more time now reading and following the threads in the chat rooms to see what people are talking about, what they're excited on. And I actually do, you know, and I'm gonna really hate myself for saying this, but when the vendors send those unsolicited emails, I actually stop and read them now just because it's like, is this the same old thing from last year or are they addressing an issue that we're really challenged with? And I find that that becomes a, a good avenue. Like Amber said earlier, and I'm sorry she's frozen, but it happens. Our technology happens when you're, you know, trying to get the job done. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she said it earlier. It's, it's, you know, you you've got to constantly stay in front of it as much as you can, and, you know. And what you can't, you just got to smile and you know walk through it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we all have tech challenges, right? And I think the, the more tech savvy you are, the more challenges you have because the more you push the boundaries of what's possible. So you never get to the point where you're totally comfortable, which is a nice sort of lead into this next part of the conversation. We're gonna talk about the threat landscape as well as um, the opportunities that exist because of new and emerging technologies. So uh, Amy, I'm gonna go back to you in terms of what threats are influencing the threat landscape right now and changing the way firms are defending uh, against fraud? Yeah, so um, from, from a fraud perspective, I think the movement towards fully digital solutions, you know, things that are away from username, password combinations, or even the use of account numbers, um, create this like urgency to develop a way that we can get a, an understanding of the fraud landscape and how we can develop solutions to kind of counter the, the fraudulent activity that would stem from that. Um, and then I think another challenge is, is that, you know, it's been alluded to many times throughout this conversation is as soon as we advance in our defenses, the bad people and threat actors are also speaking freely and they're collaborating and they're sharing and selling sensitive information. Um, and they can do it with much less impunity, uh, with, with, with more impunity because we are bound uh, by our legal compliance and regulatory mandates, um, as well as we have to, you know, interpret these guidelines that are given to us and are, and are enforced upon us, um, as well as in terms of like how we conduct fraud, how we report fraud, not sorry, not how we conduct fraud, how we counter fraud and how we report fraud and things like that. Um, and I think that the, um, to move more into the threat landscape, I think the ease with which individuals and, and criminal organizations now can get into a network or a person's account um, is evidence and, and showcases just how far that bar has been lowered for um, for entry. Um, and it's not just the large organizations like JP Morgan's um, that are being targeted, right? Like. We're targeting, you know, no one had heard of SolarWinds before um, December when when it was compromised. And, and you look at the supply chain over time, 
that has been targeted continuously um, to try to get um, to try to get insights into you know um, because they're with the, because they're in the supply chain they will be connected to other larger organizations and entities that have larger systemic value um, and and I think that that also um, down the line where where you you can conduct small scale fraud from these types of intrusions and things like that. But if you think about it on a large scale and you also correlate that with the amount, the, the rapid rise of, of ransomware activity that's occurred over the past um, several years or so. I think even just last year, there was a 700% increase from 2019 of ransomware activity. And that's just what's been reported, right? We don't know um, how many people have been paying off these organizations and entities. Um, so I think that the all of these things really complicate the defender's perspective and influence um, the way that we uh, that the way that we defend our organizations. Uh, well, thank you for that thorough answer. Uh, I was going to check in and see if we have Amber back. Amber, are you back yet? Not not quite. Um, so Cynthia, I'm going to throw this one at you then in terms of uh, some of the threats that you see today as far as the threat landscape and uh, how that is changing the way firms are defending against uh, fraud, uh, knowing, like Amy says, that it's not as though things are going to get easier and better overnight. It will likely just be more complex. You know, as we're going through the questions and, and, and Amy was really, I think she really nailed it. I can't say it better. And she's very much the expert and is part of the... Uh, the section on technology and emerging threats, but you know, how do you learn about new tech that's coming at you? How do we deal with the threats that are on the platform? An email came through from a gal out in the field that I've known since the early 2000s, and she says, hey, Cynthia, have you ever heard of this company? They keep emailing me and other analysts, and this day of phishing and other scams, I'm hesitant to open up a respond. And it's, you know, I'm giving you my patent answer for how do we stay on top of things to be a good, to be a good host and a good panelist. But this is the truth of it, Amber. I get to meet Amy and Amy meets me. And we know and respect because we're both part of the ACFB and we've learned that we've gathered this intelligence over the years and respect each other. So what happens? We communicate. This gal that emailed me about a company that she's unsure of, she says, have you heard of them? She is both leaning on me because I'm an expert in an area that can answer that question and B, because she trusts me and I'm a vetted expert to help in that area. And I'm also a girl fraud examiner with her. So that's really the truth of it. And I don't want to make it sound like we go through some sort of big process to set this stuff out. When it comes down to the threat landscape and what we're being presented with today, uh, you know, in my world, it's not just tech on tech. My threats are more along the lines of individuals being targeted and then exposed on social media accounts. And so we're hunting down anonymous posters, antagonists, um, disenfranchised terrorists. I mean, we're, we're all over the map looking for people with old school online detective skills. So when I need to know more about tech and specific technology platforms, I go to the tech experts like the other panelists. But when I need to, you know, throw on my cyber hat and get into it, you just you just do the job. Um, yeah, Cynthia, maybe just uh, building that a little bit, um, what new tech gadget or enhancement have you found that has come up in fraud enhancements? And I know I'm talking about gadgets or enhancements, but just because you touched on social media, I thought that would be interesting, especially this is a space that I know pretty well. 
uh, where many of the social channels are, you know, going into these spaces that aren't necessarily public spaces anymore. So can you talk a little bit um, about that changing world? Well, it's fun because the, the software developers that are coming out and presenting to the social media awareness model, some may call monitoring, uh, there's, there's, there's so many, they're tripping over each other. And then the last, since 2015, there's gotta be at least 20 companies that have come to market and are all pretty much selling the same thing. And then all it takes is a Facebook or a Twitter to change the API and their software platform you know, it starts to wobble a little bit. So what we've actually done, uh, we use those tools because they make us efficient. They make us uh, faster and better able to handle our client needs. But frankly, you really still need to know the fundamentals to get the job done. You still need to know how to do searches directly. You still need to understand the platforms themselves to get into and understand. Because when the tools fail, you need to know how to, how to do this. And I ask accountants all the time, I'm like, great, you have five different software programs that'll help you take large volumes of data and compress it into one report. But if you didn't have the software, could you still do it? Well, yeah, it would take us longer. Well, fine. Then the software platform is just whatever fits your needs. So long as you're getting the end results that you, you find are factual and good for what you need, that's really gonna be the end result. Excellent. Um, Amber, I, I think we have you back, at least with uh, voice. So um, we've had quite a thorough conversation so far with Amy and Cynthia about the threat landscape, uh, what's happening right now in terms of some of those threats, as well as what's taking place in social media. Maybe I can throw that one to you, just knowing uh, that we have covered a little bit about some of um, the issues that exist right now as far as the threat landscape and uh, your opinion on um, what threats are kind of influencing the threat landscape today in 2021. I think obviously, and I'm hoping you guys can hear me because I'll be voiced for the rest of the thing, um, for the panel. But uh, I think the big change that I'm seeing is that so many more transactions in general are done almost exclusively electronically. And the variety that that's happening with, specifically with some of the fraud, um, and I joke about like Venmo and everything else and the emergence of that for payment. But as we see different generations come in, um, I'm seeing a change in just how they're using that technology, how they're using it with money, how they're using it with their data, uh, you look at Generation Z versus I'm a Gen Xer, and I have a totally different perspective on it than my kids do. And it's changed the way that I look at an investigation and the types of data I'm looking for based on the age of the person I'm investigating. Uh, and that's changed even more so now that everyone is remote and you're not seeing as much of each other. They're relying much heavier on that technology. I love that you brought that up, Amber, because that is the last question for this section before we move on to talking about opportunities, where to look, how to build your networks. Uh, Amy, I'm going to throw this one over to you talking about uh, what Amber just mentioned as far as work from home and uh, the shift that's taken place, uh, talking about things like unemployment theft, uh, um, you know, updated or created fraud techniques. Can you talk a little bit about um, this new way that people are working and uh, how potentially that has just totally changed the landscape. So when we when when COVID nineteen first hit and we were tracking a lot of the new fraud cases that were coming up, especially with PPP and like a lot of the other um, the, the 
a lot of the the developments that happen, you know, within the United States. And you and you look at the the, the correlated fraud that occurred after as well. Um, a lot of it still occurred in the tried and true methods through phishing, um, vishing, smishing. So vishing being voice phishing, like you're if you're you're impersonating someone over the phone, um, and smishing is over SMS text, things like that. Um, and that, it's it's that they've adopted this theme of COVID nineteen, and rightly so because. It was scary. We didn't know what was happening. We were having a lot of different types of, of inputs of information from different sources. No one really knew what the clear picture was uh, of the landscape from, you know, even from a work from home perspective. And so it, it was rife for opportunity, right? Right for opportunity for these fraudsters to really take advantage of it. And so by, by capitalizing on COVID-19, um, in their email, their phishing emails, their spear phishes, and, and their links, and their uh, PDFs, and, and all these things um, really kind of amplified a lot of the fraud that we saw um, in the early to mid um, of last year when, when COVID first hit. Uh, well, I, I think, um, you know, that pretty much wraps up Section B in terms of having this conversation around the threat landscape. And I think just aiming on, ending on that thought, Amy, as far as uh, those changes, especially with work from home and remote work, and again, as I mentioned, that acceleration that's taking place, it's a good time to shift our focus for the last 10 minutes or so to talking about the opportunity that exists. Uh, more specifically, just kind of getting each of you to share your advice as far as those places where you go, whether it's a message board or Twitter account, to follow what's happening and stay up to date on everything. Amber, I'm going to start with you. Uh, how do you stay on top of all of those technological changes that are happening so quickly right now, uh, again, that um, are in uh, really a state of, of kind of being on fast forward at this point? I, I do have to say that it is terribly hard, especially where most of the um, what I'm choosing to do every day and part, part of what we do in digital forensics is we have to find a way to investigate each piece of technology that comes out. And it is overwhelming because there's so much of it. And you'll probably laugh in the fact that one of the ways that I stay up to date on it is I actually talk to my kids. And I follow all the people on Twitter. I follow all of the, the LinkedIn messaging and everything else. And I practice the technology by using it in my life to really understand it. But I'll find that my kids will end up finding out about a trend well before I do. And it's just that different generation of perspectives that I've, I brought up before. It makes a huge impact on it. And I don't think that we maybe even talk to our kids. It doesn't matter how old they are. Um, your 12-year-old might know about one new thing that came out that way before you find out about it anywhere else. I know more about e-gaming now because of my son being competitive in those sports and what that landscape does and how much money goes through that particular industry. I never would have found out about that before. I've been motion sick from video gaming for a very long time. So <laughs> these are things that, as long as you have the conversation with the right people, I also participate with a lot of universities because, again, a different generation and talking with them, offering... Um, for myself to come in and talk to their students and in return, the students to talk to me. I'm going to find out a lot just by opening that dialogue. 
Yeah, I, I see that in my house, you know, definitely with a 12 year old at home that uh, he is always a little bit ahead as far as the tech that he is using. And I, I definitely have those conversations with him. Well, you know, some of us in the tech industry may be obsessed with kind of Facebook and Instagram and what's out app. He's on totally different platforms and a little bit ahead of the crowd. Mm -hmm. Um, Cynthia, let's talk for a second about uh, good habits that you follow to identify opportunities and resources to improve your tech savvy, whether that's waking up in the morning and maybe you have a routine of sites you go to visit or people you follow on social media. What are some of your habits that you can share? I, uh, I, I'm going to kind of riff right off of what Amber said because yeah, I call her kids up now. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I talk to my staff. Uh, much of my staff here is younger than me because I'm as old as dirt. And um, my analysts are, they're all, you know, I won't say their ages, but they're they're significantly younger. So they're using new tech themselves to stay apprised as to what their world is. They're also open source investigators, so it's also their job, but they're really using it for their own sake. So I keep in touch with them and, uh, you know, just regular communications with them. And this platform here using Zoom I'm getting in touch with, a, I used to be traveling every single week for training, every week. Now that, you know, we're all doing this remotely, I get in front of a lot more customers and a lot more technology developers and a lot more sales reps and even my own staff. You know, there's, there's 10 minutes, you could sit down in front of your own computer at the office, you'll make time for it. So I find that just staying open to communications, my, my schedule's a lot busier because of it. And I don't, you know, I feel like I'm not actually getting enough downtime, but I am learning a lot more in this last year than I have in the, in the prior five years. Being a leader, I didn't have time to learn. So, um, you know, keeping my calendar open, listening to those who are younger, who are experimenting and, and tapping into the vendors to see what they're developing. Yeah, you know, I, I love that you talk about just having that space and that time to learn. I mean, that's what we're doing today. And uh, sorry, I'm full of quotes, but this one is from the late futurist Alvin Toffler. One of the things that uh, he talks a lot about how people right now to be able to survive and thrive and, and really build their dream career, they need to be able to uh, learn, uh, relearn and unlearn. And, and that is kind of the path of learning, right? You know, you learn something and then a month later, you got to relearn it because it's totally different. Then you got to unlearn that and you got to move on. Uh, mm -hmm. Amy, maybe I'll, I'll throw this one over to you as far as kind of that learning path. Uh, how do you stay on, on top of everything that's going on and knowing that we are in fact all online more now, especially during remote work? Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 insane. I think that um, Cynthia and Amber both nailed it in terms of just how quickly technology changes. And I, even though my job is to stay on top of the threats and, and technology changes, you know, there's still so much going on at the same time that I'm not aware of, um, and I don't get to tap into Gen Zers as as much unless like you know I downloaded TikTok or something. <laughs> um, but. In terms of like staying on on top of everything, I think um, making sure that when when I'm you know consuming information on social media, it's not that I'm just reading quotes from CEOs and things like that, but I, I and other sort of like large scale public figures, but looking more at the people who are on the ground doing the work, um, you know dealing with the changes in the tech landscape and talking about it because I think there's where you really get some of the, the insight into how technology is truly affecting people and how, how work is going to be done and how work is changing. 
Thank you so much to our panelists. You can find more episodes of Fraud Talk at acfe.com forward slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts.